0: Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results.
1: And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that
0: success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey everybody, welcome back to doing good business. We have what we hope is a fun, fun episode for you. Um, we're actually recording on 222, which if any of you are like into energy stuff like Kelly and I are, is a very auspicious day, lots of good energy in the twos. Um, and you are listening at some point after that. And what we are doing today is we're gonna have a little bit of fun and we're gonna try doing an episode in a different way which is inspired by Kelly's love of the Deathbed Confessions podcast. So welcome to Doing Good Business a la a true crime podcast.
1: (laughs) All right, thank you for that. And in my best true crime podcast voice. Of course. Here's how our story starts. Lillian Mahler and Frank Gilbreth exchanged wedding vows on October 10th, 1904 in Oakland, California. As their family grew, They moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and eventually relocated to 67 Eagle Rock Way in Montclair, New Jersey. Personally, their union produced 12 children, 11 of whom lived to adulthood, including Elizabeth and Frank Jr., whose best-selling novel about their family life was made into the motion picture, Cheaper by the Dozen, in 1948, remade in 2003 with Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt, followed by a sequel in 2005. Professionally, both Frank and Lillian were engineers. Lillian earned a PhD in applied psychology at Brown University, which made her the first of the pioneers of industrial management to have a doctorate. It also allowed her to bring psychology into their professional work as efficiency experts. The Gilbreths developed the Gilbreth system using the slogan, The one best way to do work. Later, their research on fatigue was a forerunner to ergonomics. Incorporating a human approach to scientific management led to improved lighting and regular breaks, as well as ideas for workplace psychological well-being, such as suggestion box and free books. Fast forward 100 years, while the human element has expanded beyond the scientific management focus of the Gilbreth's work, we're still talking about it today. April 2021, Gartner released their nine future of work trends post-COVID-19. Number six, the dehumanization of employees. Literally 111 years into the future. And here's what they're sharing. While some organizations have recognized the humanitarian crisis of the pandemic and prioritized the well being of employees as people over employees as workers, others have pushed employees to work in conditions that are high risk with little support, treating them as workers first and people second. Be deliberate in which approach you take and be mindful of the effects on employee experience, which will be Long lasting. Address inequities if remote and on site employees have been treated differently. Engage task workers and team culture and create a culture of inclusiveness. And with that, I bring you to our modern day conversation with Laura Heacock and Kelly Stewart of the Doing Good Business podcast. Because 111 years
0: in the future, more time, Laura, we're still still talking about it. yeah. And can I just please ask that if you're listening to this podcast and you're not choosing employee well being over dehumanization of employees, mm-hmm. may I offer that we are not the podcast for you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you're thinking
1: employee engagement and not also thinking employee experience, yeah. may I say the same thing?
0: Yeah. Because I got to tell you, Kelly, the people are not okay. No. And people have consistently asked me, what's the one thing that you're seeing? Like every client I work with, every leader, I don't care what level from CEO to line manager, every single leader is asking me the same question. Like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? And what I'm seeing is that the people are not okay. Right. And it's starting to be spring-ish a little bit, you know, COVID numbers are dropping, you know, knock on wood, infection weights. I just saw a report that, um, the state of Colorado says that they've reached herd immunities. Like there's good things that are happening. And we've got to remember that we've all lived through two years of collective trauma. Yes. And sometimes that comes into work. Like I know nobody wants it to, I know everybody likes to pretend that we can be robots for eight hours a day and, or maybe we don't, maybe we're finally getting over the idea that we should be pretending to do that, but everybody's got something going on. And, and Kelly, I was sharing a story with you before we hit record. I got a major lesson last week in not making an assumptions. You know, I, I made some assumptions. I was kind of drawn into the energy of some people that made some assumptions about mm-hmm. somebody moving some meetings and like air quotes, blowing them off. And then I just got curious, and I talked to the person, and guess what? They're not okay. They're having some major stuff going on, and that's so. If I think about the humanization of work, and you know mm-hmm. how we create really healthy workplaces and, and places that foster well-being, um, it's really being able to remember that your employees are human first, absolutely, and their employees second, um, mm-hmm. and whether that is you know hat tip to the Gilberts, whether that is ergonomics or suggestion boxes. Like I love a good old fashioned suggestion box. I remember the job I had in my twenties was a small medical software company. And we had a big wrapped box on the front desk with a thing cut out in the top for Mm -hmm. suggestions. And periodically it became the voting box for employee of the month. And like, (laughs) that's lovely. And that memory sticks with me. And these are things that actually do create a human first culture um, that really allow us to have the return on energy that people are are giving to the company. You know, they're giving to the company, and yeah, sure, they're getting paid and they're getting compensated, but it's more than that. And when we look at it as more than that, it can be, you know, as silly as it sounds, it's we are stronger together. We are more powerful when we come together. That's why you will not find a study that says a homogenous team outperforms a diverse team. Like that study just doesn't exist. Right. Right. And when we think about these ways that we can actually look for the opportunity, my hat to hat tip to you, Kelly, what is the opportunity (laughs) in the last two years? It's to be, it's to be the six a company in that Gartner article, not the six B company, like the six a being, we are actually going to become a more human organization mm-hmm. and we're not going to be the organization that dehumanizes humanizes people and was the warehouse that crashed in recently after a severe weather incident yes. out in mm-hmm. the midwest because they wouldn't let workers leave i mean right right
1: do better what are you thinking <laughs> do right? better exactly again <laughs> We may not be the podcast for the people who work there. Exactly.
0: Well, for the the people that the leaders, yeah, exactly. For the employees, come on over. We'll Mm -hmm. find you. Help find some companies that are actually doing things better.
1: No, I agree. And you know, we've been saying this since almost the beginning of the pandemic. Like when you could get your focus around it, that we are all going through this together, and we are experiencing it differently. And you know Mm -hmm. what? There are a lot of companies, small, medium, large, who have done well throughout the pandemic. Sure, the reality. And that doesn't mean that their employees as people first
0: mm-hmm.
1: aren't feeling that same type of trauma. You don't know what's going on in their family. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all lived through this where funerals can't be held, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be with people, mm-hmm. a lot of isolation. Yep. So it doesn't mean it's not happening, even if there hasn't been a reduction of hours or yeah. you know a workforce or other things that kind of, what well, the things that we typically think Will really negatively impact someone's energy. And I think that's a big part of this too, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Energy. It is. Energy is a big thing. And it's funny. I was with a leader last week and this is somebody that inspires me because he's so I'm the coach, (laughs) he's the (laughs) client. And at one point he turns to me and he goes, So what did you lose during the pandemic? And I was like, Wow. Okay. First of all, really good question made Mm -hmm. me really think and take stock, but also like that person is bringing that into the company that he is leading. Right. And he's bringing that into conversations and into one-on-ones and into strategic Mm -hmm. planning and into staffing and into all of the things. And I was like, I just was really like, my breath was taken away in the best way. Right. Right. And that energy, like think about that energy, think about showing up to somebody who thinks like that and cares like that.
1: Exactly. I think it's so important. And there's so much that our, our stories can do to help move an organization forward Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we often find when we are looking for them, when we're asking about them, you know, what was the most pleasantly unexpected thing Mm -hmm. that came out of the pandemic for
0: Mm -hmm. you. Right.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, what, are not so much, what are the lessons, but how did you find ways to move forward? Tell Mm -hmm. me about a time when you did that, because these are the stories that will start to uncover best practices, strengths, Mm -hmm. maybe even strengths that the individual, him or herself did not even realize they had, Mm -hmm. right? So um, that's going to Unearth these strengths that people have. It's going to deepen connection, as mm-hmm. as you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. These are all things that we need for an organization that not not only wants to bounce back if they need to from the pandemic, but to bounce forward.
0: Yeah, right, exactly.
1: Uh, of course, I have my strategy hat on now.
0: I like your strategy hat. It's funny. There is <laughs> another. You. So I lo- here's what I love about us, Kelly. And I was thinking when I got your your pre-recording email, I was like, I love that. Kelly loves me for like just showing up and bringing anecdotes and like talking real time and figuring it out. And I love Kelly because she comes with the links and the articles and the research and the story about the Gilbraiths. And I'm just like, so I feel very lucky that that's what our connection looks like. And that was a total tangent, but considering our last episode was on love, I think people will let it fly. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think it, like that's that's it. So what do we do when we bring these strengths together mm-hmm. and how might we remix things, right? Mm-hmm. We did that today. That's mm-hmm. a strategy. And you, mm-hmm. you take that nice classic 70s, 80s songs, put some new beats on it and you yep. have a whole new thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing here. And that's what organizations can do. And people want to contribute to that. They want mm-hmm. to share their strengths and feel valued. All mm-hmm. of those things that go into any organization's secret sauce if that's what they're looking to do.
0: Yeah. And I think people need to really, I think now more than ever, and God, I'm so sick of that phrase, but now more than ever. Um <laughs> I think people need a little bit of certainty, you know, when everything feels uncertain. That and when I nice. say certainty, yeah, like that can look like how do we maybe amplify our transparency? How do we make sure that we are erring on the side of over communication, you know, what does it look like? You know, people want to know, like, what are the numbers? Like, where are we as a company? And you talk about, um, you know, what have you gained from this time? Mm -hmm. And I, and I always feel like I have to caveat that by saying like, never would I wish this on us again, like never again. Right. And it's important that we don't simply lament the past two years that if, you know, that we grieve what we need to grieve. And also that we look for the lessons from this Mm -hmm. time. And if I look at a lesson I sat with, um, another, uh, business owner a few weeks ago and like looking at the numbers just year over year for the past five years. And they actually grew 2% in 2020, I think Mm -hmm. 2021, they grew 2% in 2021 and they're a service company. And it was like, okay, so there was a little hit in 2020, of course, Mm -hmm. I don't know a company out there that didn't have Mm -hmm. a hit at some piece in 2020, And then there was growth that came from it. So then we took that. And here's where I'll take a little bit of my data from you, Kelly, is like, we take that. We see like, so what was it that grew? Is it like this line of business or is it this line of business? And let's get really Mm -hmm. clear to see like what is working Mm -hmm. and how can we multiply that? Mm -hmm. And how can we lean in and do more of the things that are actually growing?
1: And I think we don't focus on that enough. Anyone who's listened to us regularly knows that's, (laughs) that is my lament, but um, that's what we're changing. And that's where we see when you make these things a priority, when someone decides like Lillian Gelbreth, to apply what she knows about psychology to her engineering and see what might come of that. We learn so many more things than we can, if we think we have all the answers. And that was the other thing, you know, when, when you're When an organization is thinking about what have we learned, what might people want? Hey, here's an idea.
0: Ask them. Ask them. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're going the same place here. Yeah. (laughs) How about you just ask them? Ask the people what they want.
1: You don't need to guess. You've got all the information you need right in your organization. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of, you know, to bring that out in people and to surface those new ideas and perspectives. Mm -hmm. You can feel that you're in the ballpark with things, but until you really start to talk to people, you don't get what I call the exquisite details. Oh right? I love those that. exquisite details that come up that yep I could think that's what you were going to say but it's the way in which you say it it's the context that you provide right it is that well yes um I would like to have x information and I'd like to have it quarterly or whatever that is but it's there's going to be more to the story mm-hmm. which will help inform the strategy mm-hmm. and I think those things are really important when we're thinking about humans mm-hmm. which brings me to a, a a sidebar point to all of this is we. There's so much talk about return on investment. Full disclosure: in preparing for this episode, I was googling because it is what I do. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for like you know, um, uh, best of companies doing good business in history. About five variations of that. Could not really find what I was looking for because. Best companies came back with you know the five you would recognize, yeah. like Walmart and Apple and Amazon, right? And best was pretty much qualified by revenue, mm. right? So that made me think, if that's our only measure, right? Our return, like revenue, right? And the, these, these numbers that we hear all the time, revenue and return on investment, mm-hmm. it doesn't apply to people. And I think with this, what the Gilbreths were doing with this scientific management, right, which was all about efficiency, and it was kind of thinking about people, as we said earlier, robots, right, but as Mm -hmm. machines Mm -hmm. who were doing the work that a machine would do hey, that became pretty prevalent in our business culture, didn't it? Mm -hmm. However, they were looking at the human aspect of it. And I think today, since we're still having the conversation, I would clarify a return on investment is something that you get on a tangible or physical asset, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe it's the real estate in which the, the building is located. Maybe it is the machinery or some other type of equipment. Unlike machinery, especially because real estate doesn't need this, but unlike machinery, humans, the people essential to our success, do not come with a how-to manual. Mm -hmm. There aren't any schematics for this is how you set them up, Mm -hmm. and there aren't any troubleshooting guides for, hey, if this goes wrong, try this, because they're people Mm -hmm. and all the goodness that they bring to that knowledge and motivation and perseverance and trust and Stick, well, I guess that is perseverance, stick with itness, <laughs> but you know, um, service to your, your clients, relationship building skills, all of that floats or sinks on how a person is feeling. Mm-hmm. Where is their energy? Mm-hmm. And so I think if more leaders add return on energy. Mm-hmm. To the calculations that they use on their P&L statements, mm-hmm. they will actually come up with a triple bottom line of people, planet, profit. Brings us back to the podcast.
0: So, interestingly, when you talk about, you're right, humans don't come with manuals. And I have actually seen companies that ask that of their folks, like basically write us a, like, Kelly, if you're my leader and I'm working for you, like, I would be tasked to write a, like, care and feeding of Laura document. Mm-hmm. And then you would actually start to know like how to relate to me on a human level. Right. And I just, I remember hearing that years ago with one particular organization. I was like, that's genius. You know, yeah. it's yeah. just mm-hmm. absolutely. And it sets, you know, I think about, I, I talk a lot about the concept of front-loading, which is to me like the easiest way to describe that is when you're hesitant to delegate because you know I can do it faster, like mm-hmm. you got to front load it. You got to spend that extra amount of time in the beginning so that you get the major return on energy. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. back end of it, and I think about how that creates such a strong foundation of psychological safety. With like, right? You actually are asking me how you can best lead me. There's mm-hmm. immediately trust built there. And then when I am having a bad day, or we're umpteen months into a pandemic, and you start to notice something is off. We've already established that like energetic and psychological safety where I can say like, yeah, you know what, I am really struggling today right? and, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons and, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but like we can have that human conversation and to go back to the earlier story I shared, like, then we don't make assumptions about each other. Exactly. And we don't assume, you know, one of the big things I advocate for is some sort of human level check-in at the beginning of every meeting, right. You know, it can be a very quick, just red, yellow, green. Here's how I'm feeling. It can Mm be, you know, I know Bride Brown talks about, you know, just everybody goes around the room and gives two words for like how they're feeling in the moment of it, Mm -hmm. but to just, I think of all of the energy that we all misuse by, you know, the meeting after the meeting or, you know, Mm -hmm. like the bitching at the water cooler or, Mm -hmm. you know, the slide, the side slacks that go on and like, it's just a waste of energy. I was listening
1: to, um, 100%. Yeah.
0: I was listening to the brave new work podcast and I'll, I'll actually link to the episode. Um, but one of the co-hosts said, I think if people at work would just start talking to each other, I would largely be out of a job. And I just think like, (laughs) I chuckled at that because so much of what, and Kelly, I'm sure you see it too. It's right. But we don't have the energy, or we don't have the tools, mm-hmm. or it's still, you know, foreboding in our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think about what, how powerful organizations could be if right. we all just took a little bit of that risk and created some safety for each other up front. The energy that we would get mm-hmm. on the back end is out of this world
1: especially when it's coming from that authentic effort. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go up on my little soapbox for a minute. I love it when you're up there. (laughs) Say, I much prefer what you described in terms of let me write about myself Mm -hmm. and um, share with you how how we might relate together over what I hear other organizations are doing, which is the personality slash now full-blown psychology
0: test. Oh, yeah. We want to stick people into their disc quadrant. And then that's all that they ever are to you.
1: And beyond, I mean, some of these are getting really, Mm -hmm. I'm going to use the word invasive, Mm -hmm. right. For, for what we're bringing to it. It's, it's, it's work, right. I'm, I'm, we don't even do that. We're allowed to have boundaries. Exactly. We are allowed. Thank you. That's the best Mm -hmm. way to say it. And, um, and that's shortcutting it anyway, Mm -hmm. that to me is a disingenuous Mm -hmm. attempt at doing Mm -hmm. something, because you know what the, the organizations that are doing that, they're looking for that manual I was discussing. They're Mm -hmm. looking for those schematics and that's Mm -hmm. not a genuine relationship Mm -hmm. with people. And that's where all the goodness comes from.
0: Yeah. In the relationship realm, like intimate relationships, it's, it's shortcutting intimacy, right? It's the things that we do when we like overshare to try and like create some sort of false sense of intimacy too quickly. Mm -hmm. Agreed agreed interesting. interesting so what do you what do you do instead so we don't want to go too you know invasive on things like that what does work
1: mm-hmm. kelly well i do
0: <laughs>
1: touche um laura i do think i love what you're saying there and i think regular dialogue with people not the email that's that's a, now some people prefer email they prefer text messages slack i get that um and but there are ways to be Well, I'm going to start with where you probably thought I was going to go with this, appreciating what works, having a genuine appreciation, right? Because that Mm -hmm. takes the temperature down. So if your hair is on fire and you've got something going on, just take that moment, pause, breathe, Mm -hmm. get a little curious about, oh, what might I not know about the Mm -hmm. situation? It's exactly what you described earlier, Mm -hmm. right? And then have that conversation. I worked for a company for a very brief amount of time. And, um, I worked part-time for them in their admin office, mm. the vice president, who was also the, uh, wife and the husband wife partnership of the ownership of the company. She never left the office. There were only three of us who worked there. In addition to her, she never left the office without saying thank you very much for all you did today. Oh,
0: how kind.
1: And I have to tell you that never sounded disingenuous. She Aww. said it every day. It was yeah. heartfelt. And I really respected and appreciated that she made the time to do it because she mm-hmm. could have just walked out the door going, all right, bye, see you tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? But instead, she made this conscious choice to do that. And so it doesn't have to be big things. Yeah, It has to be genuine, mm-hmm. consistent, mm-hmm. right? Th- these are the things and they're when you really need it, right? Mm-hmm. So this is not toxic positivity, right? But mm-hmm. this is saying that even when the chips are down, it is about supporting somebody and saying okay you know tell me more about what's going on what do you Mm -hmm. know so far right because those are not threatening questions and um what ideas do you have for going forward with this right because we'll we'll brainstorm these together
0: yeah well and i think you know when you want to talk about return on energy when did you work at that company
1: how long ago
0: 2000s okay so like 20 years ago you worked Mm -hmm. at that company and the small amount of energy that this woman expended to yes. genuinely be grateful every day mm-hmm. sticks with you 20 years later. 20 years later. So absolutely. If we bring it all together. Right. And if we bring the Gilbreath story yes. back to doing good business. Yes. What Please else, do, Laura? What happens next? What else <laughs> might a return on energy generate? We've heard from Kelly. That a simple moment of gratitude each day sticks with her 20 years later. Mm -hmm. That's a return on energy. What else might a return on energy generate? And I'm going to apologize that my true crime voice is not as good as Kelly's, but I'm doing the best I can. You're doing great. So after our dear friend, Frank Gilbreth passed away in 1924, Lillian never remarried. She did continue to run their company. And due to discrimination within the engineering community, she shifted her focus To the female-friendly arena of domestic management and home home economics. And uh, I'll take things that also haven't changed in a hundred years for a thousand, (laughs) please, Alex. (laughs) Lillian's mission was to provide women with better, faster ways of doing housework to enable them to seek paid employment outside the home. So thank you, Lillian, for being a feminist, even when the world Mm -hmm. was trying to make you not be a feminist. She actually created the work triangle kitchen layout, which I know because I happen to watch a lot of HGTV. That's when your fridge and your sink and your stove are in a really good triangle together. So you can be efficient in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Lillian invented the foot pedal trash can. Thank you. Got one in my bedroom. Where's yours, Cal? Right under my desk. There you go. Thank you, Lillian. She added those cute butter trays and egg keeper shelves to refrigerators. She filed numerous patents for her designs, including adding a wastewater hose for washing machines and designed a desk in cooperation with IBM for a display at the Chicago World's Fair in 1933. So feminist Laura is really loving Lillian, and none of these accomplishments even included her work outside or her work outside of work, which was volunteering with the Girl Scouts. She volunteered with her government services as the head of the Share the Work program during the depression. She did work in education, becoming the country's first female engineering professor when she took on the role of professor of management at Purdue's School of Mechanical Engineering in 1935. So dear listener, may the stories you heard today, may Lillian's story, may all of these stories inspire you to do good business, to remember that people are human, to be the Gartner 6A company that is humanizing people and not dehumanizing them, and to remember to be back with us in a couple of weeks for the next episode of Doing Good Business. Thank you for being here. Give us a five-star if you loved it. If you didn't love it, I'm going to take a little cue from Glenn and Doyle. Don't worry about doing a rating or review. It's all good. <laughs> but if you loved us, please give us a rating or a review and share us with a friend. And thanks for listening keep doing good business. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of doing good business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.